You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. The restaurant industry is struggling to survive as a result of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. In this segment, chef and TV host Marcus Samuelson joined the Washington Post to discuss the effect of the pandemic on restaurants and explain how the nation's social justice movement is impacting the industry. Let's listen. If you're just joining us, I'm Mary Beth Albright, on-air food anchor for the Washington Post. My next guest is an accomplished chef and restaurateur, and you probably know him from television, uh, Chef Marcus Samuelson. Welcome to Washington Post Live. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I got the live outside Harlem background. I ran from the restaurant because we're in the middle of serving about a thousand people there, uh, you know, as we do with, um, you know, our partnership with World Central Kitchen. And it got very busy. So I was like, you know what? I'm better off just running home and do it from my iPhone. Well, we're, we're glad to have you in any way that you can be here. Um, and that's my first question is that you converted your Harlem restaurant, Red Rooster, into a community kitchen where people can get free meals. Um, and you also started doing that in Newark, New Jersey and in Miami. So my question for that is how did you make the decision to turn your restaurants into community kitchens rather than pivoting to takeout as so many fine dining, as so many restaurants are doing? Well, first of all, uh, it was uh, it was great. I got the segment before and to see uh, a food icon like Wolfgang Puck, someone I admire so much, um, was really nice to see him in a segment as well. So it was it was great to see that. You know, we early days in March, we didn't know what would happen with our industry. This had never happened to us. But uh, someone who did know was Jose Andres and World Central Kitchen. So I uh, called Jose and that's, you know, the beauty of having great relationships and partnerships. And he said, we know how to serve safe. We had uh, masks and we had gloves and we know about social distancing way before anybody else knew it. So he was living in Harlem, living in a, in a community that is so enriched by culture, but I knew that Harlem would be hit very, very hard. Um, and it was the right call because since we started this, we served over 200,000 people between Harlem, Newark, and uh, Miami. And, you know, we converted that to this. Tomorrow, actually, it accumulates into a fundraiser on ABC together with World Center Kitchen called Harlem Serves Up. We have some of the biggest chefs in the world and some of the biggest celebrities in the world supporting our community. So it's a, it's a big deal for us and it's saved giving food to uh, food insecure and first responders, but it's also created jobs back for our industry and saved restaurants here in Harlem, Newark, and Miami. Well, and in Harlem, the, the Depart city Department of Health numbers show that part of Harlem of Manhattan that has had the highest death rate from COVID-19. So my question is, what does the line look like of people waiting for food, for a free meal from the rooster, and how has that changed since March? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I'm not surprised that, uh, first of all, the pandemic had really shown the have and don't have in America, right? People in Harlem and in the Bronx, we, that, this community of communities, predominantly black and brown people, and it's shown that most African-Americans, indigenous and um, Latinos don't have jobs where they can actually work from home, right? It's not a coincidence that these numbers are hitting our communities harder, right? Um, in terms of the line, in the beginning, it was a lot of um, 
homeless and, and a lot of people that were food insecure. But the line has changed because now the line probably a bartender that just lost their job a couple of weeks ago. Um, a teacher that can't go back to work, you know what I mean? Like it, it's gone from uh, people that might are home insecure or food insecure to people that are working in middle class. And to do this collectively, not just with World Central Kitchen and us, but actually 15 restaurants in Harlem that signed down to serve about three to 400 people a day, which means that we're serving in Harlem alone 4,000 people. And uh, we even have a bigger need. That's why we decided to do the fundraiser all the starts up this year. You know, this is, restaurants are not, it's going to take a very long time for restaurants to come back. But imagine in, in black and brown indigenous communities where access of cash is much harder and there's been systemic racism going on for decades and generations. So the way our community is going to come back is going to take a very long time. So this is a very, very important time and we need people uh, to support us at this moment. Well, that goes to my next question, which is um, we have a nationwide discussion about how there are dual pandemics right now, uh, COVID and racism. And it's been widely reported, as you talked about, that COVID is disproportionately affecting the Black community and communities of color. Um, is the path forward for restaurants affected by both COVID and racism? Absolutely. I mean, the, there's two pandemics going on, right? And we're doing a very important work in both. You know, I think that this spring and early summer of what happened, you know, with Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and you got, you know, Ahmaud Arbery, you can go down the list. It's horrific. But out of that, at least, people have responded uh, peacefully and major changes are happening. And people are changing way before our government is changing. Uh, and eventually the government will change too because people have changed. So this is a very, very important, I would say third uprising, you know, you, you know, you think about it from the day of slavery ending to the first civil rights movement. And this will be the, the third, third wave of this. And this is globally, this is, uh, people have had enough, you know, this is not just in New York and Los Angeles, San Francisco, over two, 3,000 cities in America and globally people have taken a stand for Black Lives Matters, which is uh, incredible. Uh, but you know, being a small business owner today is very, very difficult, specifically for Black, Brown, and Indigenous, because A, we don't have generational wealth, B, uh, we're dealing with systemic racism, and which means that we can't get access to bank loans. So it's very, very difficult, uh, but at least we're having a conversation about it right now. And change is gonna come, we know that. You know, if people go to the voting booth, that's where the real change will happen. We'll definitely continue with that conversation. <clears throat> A viewer from Miami, Erica Rosine, wrote in with this question. We want to get to this. What is the outlook for your restaurant in Miami and the future of your project with Jose Andres, feeding people from your kitchen there? As a Miamian, I am very grateful for this. Well, thank you so much. You know, um, at New York, we're doing better. Uh, Florida would hit with that second wave and, you know, averaging now about between 12 and 15,000 new cases uh, a day. So we decided to close the creamery. You know, we just can't, it's just, we want safety for our staff and safety for our guests is number one. But we're gonna come back. We're gonna open Red Rooster in Miami, um, sometime this fall. And we're gonna continue to serve, um, you know, that's why we're doing fundraising because, you know, uh, World Central Kitchen, won't work without 
fundraise, you know, so without money. And um, so that's why we're doing this important uh, initiative at Harlem Surf Club uh, and on the ABC fundraiser that we're having tomorrow at 10 o'clock. But, um, you know, World Central Kitchen has been an incredible partner, but so has the, the restaurant workers too. You don't think about restaurant work necessarily as first responders, but in this moment, we definitely have them. And, you know, where's, there's about 11 million people in America that work, uh, there are restaurant workers in independent restaurants. About 16 million people, when you think about the, all the different services that go to those restaurants. And, you know, right now, 50% of our unemployed. So uh, this is a big, big, big moment. We need help, we need support, and we need structural change. So um, as someone who has traveled extensively throughout the country and the world, you know, right now we're living in a divisive time. We're divisive and we're contactless, but people always talk about how food can that happening right now when we're so divisive and we can't be together? First of all, uh, divisive or not, you know, it's about taking care. First of all, we need a government that wants to govern all people, not just the segments of the population, right? Sometimes people talk about big government is bad. We need the right size government. And when you have a crisis like this, um, right now you have, uh, you know, uh, President 45 is taking pictures with uh, Goya versus actually, and his family versus actually focusing on the fact that it's north of 135,000 people that so died from COVID. One more. Pardon me? Yeah, well, this is the last question. Tomorrow on July 18th, I'm sorry, can you hear? Sorry, I think- Tomorrow on July 18th. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, tomorrow, um, Harlem Serves Up is going to be doing um, this fundraiser, can you tell us who's going to be on it? Well, we have some amazing chefs from our community, you know, Melba Wilson, iconic Melba from Melba Restaurant. We have all the small business owners here from Lolo Seafood Shack and so on. But we also have major, major celebrities that came to support. You know, Doug Fresh, we have Common, we have John Legend, Brian McKnight, and uh, Tamron Hall is going to host it. And so many, many, many more. It's going to be an incredible hour. We're extremely grateful. Uh, for uh, all the celebrities and the chefs, the small business owners coming together because this is an important moment. And even if the government is not doing it, we're going to do it as a community. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have um, for our discussion with Chef Marcus Samuelson today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to your cell phone company for making it happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Also, thank um, you to my son, Stian, for not interrupting us because he's right there and wants to jump in. Yeah, I have a 12-year-old. He does everything on my phone, too. Um, I want to thank Wolfgang Fox and Marcus Samuelson for joining us today. And we have an incredible slate of programming for you coming up next week, including interviews with Dr. Anthony Fauci, SNL's Colin Jost, Madame Christine Lagarde, Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner, and Ford Foundation President Darren Walker. So head to Washington Post. Head to WashingtonPostLive.com for all the details. I'm Mary Beth Albright. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.